Welcome, everybody, to the 11th episode of the Sabermetrics Podcast, hosted by the Charging Buffalo. My name is Bill. Alongside me, as always, is Walt. We got a lot packed into this episode. We have a lot to talk about with the expansion draft, the NHL entry draft, and we also have our first guest. His name is Austin Broad. Austin, how you doing, man? Good, boys. I'm excited to be here. I don't get to talk with you two very often, so I'm pretty fired up to be on the podcast and pretty honored to be the first guest. It's not a big deal. Yeah, no, he's uh, he's definitely a celebrity around these parts. Um, definitely check out anything that Austin writes ever. That's what I do, and it's it's always a banger. I always love reading and um, listening to his new podcast with Curtis as well, The Future of the 716. Um, that's off and running, and you guys are doing great there. So I'm really excited, especially with the draft coming up and the Sabres being a uh, <clears throat> rebuilder uh, again. I mean, I'm I'm really excited about the content you guys are putting out. Uh, Austin, like I said, I, his his articles never miss. Uh, same with Walt here. Walt, how you doing, man? I'm doing great. Looking forward to talking about some Sabres, the expansion draft, the NHL draft, just a bunch of content this week. Absolutely. I, I'm excited. I mean, the last couple episodes have just been sad and depressing and just yelling about Matteo Constantini. I mean, I'm, I'm feeling a lot better. <laughs> I mean, at least we know what's coming. Like, again, let's just get it out of the way. Um, just going through, regardless of the division they're in next year, if they're in the one that they played in two years ago or last year, I, they're just not competing. So, like, it's t- yes, they have to rebuild. It's just the way it is. And so this is the start of it. I mean, you have the expansion draft, and we're going to get into that in a second, but we also have the NHL draft here where, I mean, I, there's just so many options at number one. I mean, I, I would be surprised if the Sabres traded back. I, that's kind of what I want them to do, to be honest, but we're going to get into it. Um, first couple things just to kind of get off the board here. It looks like Victor Olofsson might be changing his number to 71. So uh, he's been 68 for a little bit now. Um, not only about the jersey number change, because that doesn't really matter at the end of the day, but I was also thinking like, I mean, if Jack and Sam are gone, what happens to Victor Olofsson? Uh, we'll start with Austin since he's our guest and, you know, got to be uh, got to be courteous there but um what do you think not only about yeah jersey number change it doesn't really matter but um just like the the future of Victor Olofsson with the Sabres too because I mean he was Eichel's right-hand man for so long I mean is he simply just a power play specialist like even more so now because he doesn't have you know the skill with him to to set him up on five on five I mean yeah with Victor it's tough right I he's clearly a power play specialist he has struggled you know especially last year he struggled mightily at five on five but i mean a seventh round pick turning into a a pretty solid power play specialist is something that buffalo just isn't used to having let's face it our drafting and developing hasn't been good with our forwards so i still think if you pair him up with a guy like dylan cousins or a guy like casey middlestat there's people there who can get him the puck and let him use his best asset which is his shot and his quick release that'll pretty much beat any goalie in the league 
I'd be interested to see how he plays with with Casey Middlestad, especially those you know quick plays where it's just like a not necessarily a broken play, but you know puck is is out there and, and Middlestad's able to use his quick hands to to get him uh, to get Olafson the shot off. I mean, uh, well, what are your thoughts? Just kind of, I mean, um, I'm sure you'll kind of echo what Austin was saying there, but what do you really think of um, you know the future of Olafson? I mean, if I had to go by it, I think he's kind of a valuable trade asset to be completely honest maybe not at the beginning of the season or anything like that but as a deadline's looming and and especially when you saw teams struggle on the power play in the playoffs if you have someone like Victor Olofsson I mean that makes you feel a lot better and his his cap hit isn't outrageous and I'm sure the Sabres would be willing to to retain a little bit what are your thoughts on that one Walt? Well, I'm kind of looking at maybe like a bit of a combo deal if they do trade him. I mean, there's teams like Anaheim and even L.A. that are interested in a guy like Jack Eichel. And both those teams are kind of, I mean, at least last season, they didn't look that close to being able to compete. So maybe you could convince them to maybe take a guy like Victor Olofsson, help fill out their winger depth and be a great like, complimentary piece on the power play. Because the one thing I really worry about with Olofsson on a rebuilding team is that he really struggled at five on five and without like an elite playmaker like Jack Eichel on the power play, it's like we could definitely see his numbers dip. I mean, quite a bit. I mean, we've kind of seen his point totals drop off uh, towards the end of last season uh, during the Eichel injury. So that'd be one thing I'm kind of afraid of is just his value kind of tanking a bit on a rebuilding team. So, I mean, he's somebody that, I mean, I think he's, He's 26 years old right now. I don't know, like, on the other end of coming out of this rebuild, like, if he'll still be a useful piece then. I mean, I guess we'll see. I mean, he's really – he's just a high-end complimentary piece. I mean, he's a player you'd love on a team that's good. But, I mean, on a team that lacks talent, I mean, it's kind of hard to find a use for him. But, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens with him. I'd say that's more on the team as well. It's not necessarily like a glaring indictment on Olofsson. He is who he is, and, and everyone you know kind of knows that. Uh, just wanted to give you guys some nightmare feel. Do you know kind of the best team I think he'd be on? <laughs> Toronto. I mean, he would – I really think – I mean, I know that's like – tastes like vinegar going down, but like he would, he would tear it up, especially you know with those guys on the power play. I mean, if they do trade him, I don't want to see him to go to Toronto or anything like that, but like that would be a really good fit unfortunately i could see that i mean maybe like an andreas jansen role because i know when jansen was on the yeah. team i mean he was also another Falunda guy and yep. he scored a bunch of goals for the least i think he had he had uh 21 year and i mean yeah i could see him like fitting a similar role to that if the leafs like could find the cap space yeah, he's also an RFA after his contract expires in 2022-23. So whoever, if they do trade him, the team that gets him will still have some control over him because he won't be going to UFA. Yeah, and that's uh, that's huge, especially when it comes to like team control and like we don't know where the cap. I'm interested because we all know it's a flat cap this year. I'm interested to see what happens next year when that that all comes up. So, um, I mean, again, I'm not really like he's not the first person I'm thinking of when someone needs to be traded because there's a couple other guys where unfortunately it's just time. Um, but I mean, keep an eye on Victor Olofsson and, and see how he's doing. And, and if he is meshing with this new kind of core, I guess you'd say, 
because um, that can be pretty telling, especially when it comes you know later in the year when the Sabres are trying to get assets back for guys. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he ends the season with the Sabres, but at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if he got traded. So uh, we'll see what's going on there. But speaking of trades, uh, the Flyers are apparently kicking the tires on Ristolainen, which... Um, first things first, I mean, he just matches Philadelphia perfectly. Like, they're going to love him out there. He's just going to be beating the crap out of people, and, and the drunk guy in, in the eighth row is going to be losing his mind. So, um, <laughs> first of all, that just, I mean, that's just screams Flyers. I would love to see Ristolainen in a Flyers jersey. I don't, I'm not like trying to crap on him by saying that. I just, I like a Flyers jersey, and it would just be interesting to see him there. But uh, apparently, the asking price is is a second-round pick and, I believe, a prospect or some kind of young player. Um, one, any prospects in the Flyers organization, when accompanying a second-round pick, would kind of light you up maybe? I mean, I, I don't really know exactly where their defense is headed. They do now have Ryan Ellis, but they did lose um, – is it Philip Myers? Please correct me if I'm yeah, wrong. Yeah, Philip Myers. Yeah. Myers. Yeah, so, I mean, they could be looking to fill that that gap as well. Um, I mean, with Ryan Ellis and Goss Bear and Provorov, they, I mean, I don't blame them for wanting someone that is going to beat the crap out of someone in front of the net while the puck is on the other side of the rink. But, like, it, it's if there is a trade partner, it's definitely going to be someone that does need that grit. They're not necessarily looking for all the points is my assumption, and that's why the Flyers kind of fit because they do have the skill guys. Uh, we'll go to Austin first. Is there anyone that lights you up there? What are your kind of thought thoughts on trading Risto to the Flyers or or any other team that you know you would either think they're interested in Risto or the Sabers should maybe give them a call saying like, hey, you want Risto line? And any you know kind of teams you know strike I mean, your fancy? I, yeah, the Flyers, like you said, they strike. They strike us as an ideal team because, like you said, Risto Line kind of embodies what Philadelphia hockey is like. Let's face it, they're the Broad Street Bullies for a reason. They still love that type of player, and Risto is that type of player. Uh, trying to figure out what type of prospect they would get for him is really hard because I just don't know what his value is to other GMs. I mean, I know how we value him here in Buffalo, and we're pretty much just hoping he's gone. Uh, I mean, if we're looking for a run-of-the-mill prospect, I could see like a, like an Isaac Ratcliffe from Philadelphia or a Connor Bunneman. I mean, I don't think you're getting the Tyson Forrester type because that's one of their higher-end prospects, but... I mean, New Jersey was the other team that I kind of thought made a lot of sense. I mean, Miles Wood is the type of player that Buffalo supposedly needs if you listen to their GM. So I don't know. Those are the two teams that come to mind. The Graves trade is a little bit of a, a hit there, but I still think Ristolainen fits there because he's the opposite hand. I, who knows what they're actually going to get for him. I'm interested. I mean, I don't know what Walt thinks about his value, but I think a B minus C plus prospect in a second round pick would be at this point in time a great deal for us yeah that's a that's definitely a win walt what are your your thoughts on that as well yeah i kind of see the same thing i mean at this point i'm really just expecting like a second round pick and a prospect and i mean philly's prospect pool i mean they've got a bunch of guys in their prospect pool but really nobody that i i could i mean they've got a bunch of guys that could probably fit in as a complimentary piece i mean I really like wingers in their pool like zade wisdom and bobby brink but i mean i doubt they'd include those guys in a deal for Ristolainen, they're probably a bit too high end for that. But I mean, just like a second round pick and a prospect, I mean, I'd be fine with. And I think there's going to be more like teams that are open to trade for Ristolainen, like after this expansion draft, because I know it's kind of tough for teams to fit in uh, defensemen in their protection list, especially a team like Philadelphia. So I think, I mean, maybe 
they can start a bidding war and like bump up that value. But I mean, just knowing that they could have gotten on Nikolai Ehlers for him just a few summers ago. Yeah, thanks for bringing and, that up, Walt. Yeah, and now <laughs> we're talking about a second round pick and like a mediocre prospect. I mean, I'll still take it, but it's like they definitely didn't capitalize on his trade value when it was the highest. Yeah. Oh man. No, I said I was going to be happy this episode. You're not doing that to me, Walt. I mean, that's it's definitely <laughs> true. And like, oh man, it's just there's. I mean. To, to think that Winnipeg was going to trade Ehlers at all, especially after the year he had, it's just yeah. like wild, especially for Ristolainen. Like, how do you not mash the yeah. yes button on that? But anyway, I mean, that's just revisionist history at this point. So we'll see what comes of Risto. Um, I just I, – I really think he's not going anywhere. It's just – He's going to be here until he's 40. That's just the way it is. Um, <laughs> now, moving on to the uh, Seattle expansion draft. Um, the protected list came out today. And for the Sabres, let's see if I can go through this list without butchering it because I know I will. Uh, protected by the Sabres is Eichel, Reinhardt, Olofsson, Bjork, Thompson, Asplund. For the forwards, defense is Ristolainen, and Darlene, Yogi Haru, and the goaltending or goaltender is Olmark. Uh, that's essentially leaving exposed Skinner, Akpozo, Eakin, Giergensens, Miller, and Borgen. There's a few others, but they're 100% not getting taken or they're a UFA, so it doesn't really matter. But um, one to Seattle, uh, good luck. I mean, the best player you're probably getting is Colin Miller, which I'm not saying he's a bad player, but I mean, Skinner move or waving his no move clause. That was huge. Um, I mean, he's, he's not getting taken and, and that's exactly what Kevin Adams should have done. He's like, look, we're not trying to lose you, but you're not getting taken either. Just wave it so we can keep a couple other guys around. And if Skinner goes, no, then you got to, you got an issue there. Cause he doesn't really give a crap about the team. So I I wasn't surprised when Skinner moved his his no move. Um Opozo, he's not getting taken. Cody Eakin, oh my lord, please. I mean if they do, that's <laughs> awesome, but I mean and then it really comes down to Giergensen's, Miller and Borgen. Um I know you guys are kind of uh on this train and and I've definitely I was upset at the thought of losing Will Borgen, but I've seen you guys kind of talking over the past couple of days and, and basically saying, like, look, I mean, we're overinflating the guy they're losing. If it's Borgen, yeah, cool, but he's probably not even going to crack their lineup, especially with how many defensemen they're probably going to take. So, um, I mean, I guess let's go with your predictions on who Seattle will take. Um, and I guess I don't really want to say, like, who you're, you're most willing to lose, but, like, who are you most willing to lose? <laughs> um, would it be probably, I mean, for me specifically, before I hand it off to you guys, I'd rather lose Colin Miller. Um, I think Giergensen's does have a role here in, in Buffalo, especially with the young guys. Um, you know, that, that work ethic is, is just kind of contagious. Um, it's nothing against Colin Miller. It's just, you know, we have Will Borgen that can pretty much take his spot. And, and I think he can. Um, so what we'll go to Austin first. Um, who do you think they should take? And who would you, even if you, that's different than who you want them to take, you know, what, what are your thoughts on, on those, you know, two scenarios? Yeah. So who I'm most willing to lose and who I would hope Seattle would take. I mean, in a pipe dream, it's obviously Cody Eakin. Just get him as far away from. Well, I mean, I guess it's, I mean, honestly, it's probably Jeff Skinner. Let's be honest, just to get Uh, that 9 million off. But like, yeah, but between, yeah, yeah, like. Yeah. I mean, 
Cody Eakin would be obviously the ideal one. I don't think he's going to have much of a role here anyway. He kind of lost his role once Granado took over. But I'm with you. It's Colin Miller. I mean, I, he was taken by Vegas. He's, as people maybe, he wasn't the greatest in Buffalo, but whether people want to hear it or not, he's a proven commodity. He's We know he's an NHL defenseman. Will Borgen, like I said, he's a great player. I think, you know, have a 25-year-old prospect with only 14 games of NHL experience. We might, every time we get something in Buffalo lately that's remotely good, we overvalue it and it's not a slight at will borgen at all because i still think he's going to be a good player but he doesn't have the track record right now to be uh we have to protect this player at all costs so i'm glad i'm the expansion list went exactly as i thought it was going to go and i still believe it's going to be colin miller i it just makes too much sense for seattle walt same question man yeah i mean i'd say probably the same thing with colin miller and i also think another thing that's kind of undervalued too is looking at uh how he joined Vegas when they were an expansion team. So he has experience like with an expansion franchise with like a whole group of new players with like starting from scratch. I think that's something that you can't really measure, but I think that's something that Seattle will value just because he brings that to the table. And also, I mean, I honestly think he's the best player left unprotected by the Sabres. I mean, I know he can be frustrated at times with like the amount of times he like takes a point shot instead of passing it. But I mean, he was still a pretty decent power play guy had pretty decent impacts. I mean, we saw he had really good impacts in Vegas. So maybe once he joins like a semi-decent team again, he could return to that level and his cap hit. It's not too crazy, just a little under 4 million. So it's something Seattle could swallow if they wanted to. I mean, it's also, if they if seattle does decide to go for some like higher end pieces like some of the bigger contract names then maybe i could see them going for a guy like will borgen but i mean then again if they do go for a guy like borgen he's gonna have to end up on waivers because i just don't see him cracking like a group of seven defensemen on that roster so it's going to be interesting i mean my my odds on favor right now is definitely colin miller I mean, Will Borgen would surprise me a little bit, but I mean, I could also see it. And with Gergensen's, it's just, I think his cap hit's a little too high for it to make sense for them. I mean, they have a lot of other options available with other teams to fill out their bottom six for like a much lower price point. So I Gergensen's making like $2 million. I just can't really see that being an option. And he's also a guy I'd like to keep around in Buffalo too. I mean, just because his longest tenured saber, I mean, he plays hard. I mean... You really can't just have a team of a bunch of young guys and a bunch of new guys that have never been here. Just a nice guy to keep around in the locker room, in my opinion. I mean, I mean, I know I sound like an old guy talking about hockey right now, but I mean, that's how I feel in Gugensons. No, I mean, and it's fair because, like, I, I feel like a lot of people share that sentiment, even if they initially say, no, 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 like, get him out of here. Like, I mean, he's really a bottom six guy, and, and he's always putting forth, you know, the, the work ethic that's necessary. And he has some underrated skill there. But um, one thing I wanted to point out about Colin Miller is Jason Botterill brought him in to Buffalo, traded for him. Jason Botterill now works for the Kraken. So, I mean, he has that connection too. So if Botterill really likes him, yeah, I mean, Colin Miller is probably the odds-on favorite for um, you know, getting taken by Seattle. So we'll see what happens. Um, I mean, again, at the end of the day, they're not losing any, I mean, they're not losing Asplund because Skinner waved and, um, you know, they didn't have to make that choice between what, what I guess it would be like Bjork Thompson and, and Asplund. So, um, that's good. Uh, you know, protecting Ristolainen so you can at least get a trade. If again, if it's a second and a prospect, it's, it's worth protecting. And then obviously Darlene Yogi, how are you? Uh, Linus Olmark, I mean, 
yeah, I mean, I would like to see him back in Buffalo. I don't think he's your starter for the future, but, um, you know, I think he has the best opportunity to start here. I think anywhere else he would go, unless it's going to be a team that's not in the playoffs, I think it's probably a 1B at best or, or just a backup in general, which, I mean, hey, if he's a backup for, for like, a playoff team, I think they're going to be really happy. But uh, if he wants to be a starter, I think Buffalo is the best place for him. Um, that's also me just talking off the top of my head. I'm sure there's probably a better fit because let's be honest, like there's a better fit for pretty much every player. Like, oh, Casey Middlestat would be great on this team. Well, he's not there. So um, he's with the Sabres. We'll see what happens with Olmark. It sounded like in the beginning of the summer, the contract for Olmark was like almost done essentially. Now we haven't heard anything essentially since then. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully he wants to stay. Um, I would hope that he wants to stay at least on the East Coast, and that kind of helps us out a little bit so we can be closer to Sweden um, with his family and everything like that. I, I know the, the tough time he went through last season, so that, that definitely sucks. But um, we're, we're going to move on uh, to the NHL draft now um, because realistically we can sit here and predict all day uh, who the crack can take, but at the end of the day they're, they're taking a bottom six forward or, you know, like a last-parent defenseman, so it doesn't really matter. But um, it's been a little polarizing when it comes to the forwards and uh, I mean, not, I wouldn't say defensemen is really just own power um, when it comes to the Sabres drafting first overall. So I wanted to propose a question to both Austin and Walt for Austin. If the Sabres end up taking like a Maddie Beneers or William Eklund, and there's going to be fans out there that said, you know, we should have drafted power. Who would the second pick that the Sabres have in the draft which is 32 overall. Who do you think would be, would best fill the quote-unquote void that would be left by not drafting power. And for Walt, um, this is the exact opposite. If they draft power, there's going to be people saying they should have taken Eklund, they should have taken, uh, you know, they should have taken Beneers, they should have taken McTavish, they should have taken Marco freaking Rossi. Anyway, um, <laughs> who for a forward with that second round pick would be you kind of like light up your eyes, especially when it comes to more like skill. And I mean, you can do more of like a 200 foot player like Beneers, but I think a lot of people have really honed in on, on Eklund and his, his high skill and his like maturity in his game. So we're going to start with Austin. What do you got, man? So I, I have two, maybe three in mind. I mean, two of them, they kind of are projected first round talents, but I'm not sold that they're going to be first round picks. And that's, uh, Stanislav Schwozel from the Czech Republic and Olin Zellweger from Everett. I think there's a chance that those two are available when the Sabres pick. I think it's the 33rd overall pick, but it's the 32nd pick because Arizona's forfeiting, but they're still included in the order for some reason. It's so weird. So if one of those two are there, I think they're a decent option. And if you want a high ceiling defenseman, I mean, Alexei Haimosalmi from Finland is would be a, an electric defenseman to get into the system. I mean, he has an extremely high ceiling a little bit lower of a floor, but if you're dead set on getting a defenseman, if they were to go forward route with number one, I think those are a couple names to keep, uh, to keep in mind. Cool. All right. Perfect. And, and while you're up, man, I mean, if you're looking for a skill guy at 32, I mean, one guy that I really love watching in the USHL this past season was a uh, Mackie Samoskevich. And honestly, I wasn't really keeping tabs on point totals too much. So I was surprised to see like how much Coronado outproduced Samoskevich on the Chicago Steel because I thought uh, Stamoskevich, I mean, he definitely has a great pop of skill. I mean, he's able to make plays out of nothing. I mean, he was just a really fun player to watch, and I, I honestly had him ranked higher than Coronado on my personal draft list. 
I think, I mean, because his point totals were weren't that crazy, I think you can get really great value out of him by selecting him if he's still there at 32. I mean, just such a skilled player. Would be great to add to the prospect pool. And then another guy, I mean, talks about him are starting to heat up about possibly going the first round is Zach Dean on uh, Gatineau. Uh, he's been he's like one of the more underrated like skill players in this year's draft I mean he had a great season last year great season this past year too I mean if you're talking about a skill type of player that could play center I mean Zach Dean's that type of guy and I mean who knows maybe the production eventually takes off and he turns into like a skill of a pick but those are two guys that if you're looking at like a really good skill forward I mean Dean and Sam Oskevich would be the two names that are at the top of my list there at 32. And then if you're just looking for kind of just an all-around, just really effective forward, I mean, someone that can drive expected results. I mean, he's not the fanciest skater, but, I mean, the guy's Logan Stankoven. Uh, he's just a really good player for Canada at the U18s. I mean, had a pretty good season for Kamloops, even though he only like played six games there. But <laughs> he's looking like a very fun prospect. I mean... He's going to be someone the fans is going to love. I mean, just because of the way he plays. I mean, he's just unrelenting on the attack. I mean, always winning puck battles. Uh, he'll be like a fan favorite if they do take him. But those are three forwards that I would really have on my list at 32 if they do decide to go for a defenseman. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, really any area of the Sabres prospect pool needs help. But I think that forward group definitely needs a little bit more skill. So, I mean all three of those guys would be great to add all right well that sounds good i mean it, it's nice to know there are options for the sabers regardless of who's picked with first overall this is something i wanted to ask austin um, when it comes to owen power on a scale of one to ten i'm going to give you a couple things that people are concerned with what are your ten being you know i'm genuinely terrified that he's not going to be able to do this you know moving forward and one is i don't care he's that's fine um, when it comes to some of the weaknesses that uh, have been brought up about Owen Power, um, first being his physicality with his frame. He plays a little bit smaller than 6'6", 200 and whatever pounds he is. Is that something that you're really concerned with? Is that something that doesn't really phase you? Um, there's, a, there's a couple more here, so we'll, we'll rapid fire these a bit. Yeah, with his use of size in terms of not even just straight up physicality, in terms of just straight up use of size, he has to get better at that. But I'm probably about middle of the pack with that because like a number five, because I've seen him use his body to his advantage without necessarily being physical. He just needs to use that more effectively and use his body to dictate play rather than rely on his size as a crutch, because I've seen a little bit of that in his game where he relies on it as a reaction rather than I'm going to use this to, you know, drive play defensively. Okay, fair enough. And I mean, I guess there's, there are a, some similarities that I've seen. It's just like bigger players in general. So it, it you know, I don't really want to like try to compare the two guys, but Matias Samuelson is kind of like yeah. the same where like he uses his length instead of, you know, and this is an, another question I was going to ask, but his, you know, his lateral speed, you saw some guys on, on some clips just absolutely burn him on the outside and he just didn't have the, the, the quickness to transition and, and get back and, and make the play. Now, yeah, his reach definitely helped him, but, I mean, this is the NHL we're talking about here. Is that something that you're concerned about at all? Uh, his lateral movement and mobility, not necessarily. I think it's more of a, a, a processing issue. He's just got to learn to read the play and react a little bit better because when you watch him skate with the puck, 
you know that this kid is a great skater and can drive play with his feet. So I think on defense, it's more of a, of a mental thing. And from talking to Ryan Hardy, when I did, he basically kind of said the same thing. He said, the more he plays, the more he picks up the game. So the more he starts playing about against faster competition, the more he's going to be able to adjust. But yeah, that's definitely a cause to be concerned right now, because like you said, once you hit the NHL level, these are the, some of the fastest players in the world. You're not going to be able to second guess your decision because they're, they'll burn you the second you do. Yeah, and uh, I guess that kind of like leads into you know my my third and final one is just kind of his processing. You sometimes you saw him like honestly, and it's scary to say this, but it kind of reminded me of Ristolainen, where you'd get the puck in the defensive zone, and then he's taking a little bit too long to to process and and make a play, and then he just kind of maybe will either turn it over or, or just won't get out cleanly. Essentially, is that something that you're concerned about at all, or or is it still kind of you know? He's a prospect, and he'll he'll clean it up. Oh, yeah, it's definitely something that, again, it's one of the areas that I highlighted in the deep dives that I've done of him is his processing speed. It's an area of improvement that he ha- definitely has to do. Um, I think that's where going back to Michigan for a year will help him a lot because he'll be able to focus on that, playing against you know his own peers rather than being thrown to the fire. But I do think that that's more of a – he's an offensive-minded guy, but his body and his frame kind of lump him into this – you know, thought process of this guy needs to be better defensively just because of how big he is. I think he will improve in that area, but I do think at the end of the day, he has the all around two way potential, but at the end of the day, his impact is going to be felt more offensively than it will be defensively. He just happens to be a six foot six, 215 plus pound guy that you don't normally see that type of impact from. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just kind of sitting here thinking of like own power and like Will Borgen being like a, a pairing. Yeah, like they're they're not really the same skill level. Like maybe it's when Power's younger and um, he's you know getting sheltered minutes on like the third pairing or something like that. But those are those are two big boys. Um, I mean, <laughs> more nightmare fuel. But I mean, what we've also heard of a, a highly touted defensive prospect that you know is great physically and that was Rasmus Ristolainen. I mean it's just I don't really like I'm not comparing the two or anything like that but it's just like the you know like the processing speed it's just it scares me I'm a little gun shy that's that's probably why I've taken so much interest in William Eklund is simply because I'm like I just don't I just don't want to get burned by you know the deficiencies that you know we see it now but he'll he'll clean it up because that's what everyone said about Ristolainen too it's like I didn't get it now but he'll clean it up and i mean he's still sometimes taking like 10 seconds to get out of the zone and it's just like oh man we gotta we gotta improve that but at the end of the day they're not the same player um i'm not i'm not trying to compare them in in that sense so um you know when it comes to whether it's power veneers or um eklund cheese i think at this point the sabers should be happy with whoever they pick there now i mean what what if the Sabres really reach? Because, like, again, Kevin Adams goes with guys he's convicted on. Maybe he's not convicted on those three guys. It sounds like they, they pretty much are on, on Eklund and, and probably Power, I would assume. Um, but what if they went with Dylan Gunther or Mason McTavish with the McTavish, excuse me, with the first overall pick? I mean, are you guys up in arms basically saying, like, what the hell are you doing? Or are you guys like, I mean, it's a stretch, but, eh, you know, I can see it. Is that, you know, I, I guess we'll start with Walt since he's – pretty much been cut out of the conversation here for a second but well what are your thoughts on literally anyone other than those three that i mentioned i mean it just i think like their value is not that far away from like the top three guys but i mean just the fact of like taking a guy 
that might not go until at least four or five at first overall it feels like you're not really maximizing the value of that first overall pick i mean like if it ever came down to that i would really be working the phones hard like kind of trying to get a read of other teams draft boards and trading down and getting another asset because i think that would be the smart thing to do i mean i think for me i've got my big three at the top i have uh benir Zachlin, and owen power then after that i think there's like a smallest drop off i mean nothing crazy i mean i think someone from that next group like your brant clarks your dylan gunther's uh your mason mctavish's i mean maybe they do end up the best player from this draft class i mean but it's like i think i'd, I'd be shocked if like the first pick isn't like Owen Power, Matt Beneers, or William Eklund. I mean, I know there's been, there's actually been some rumors. I can't remember who it was from. It was a few weeks ago that the Sabres were also pretty interested in Luke Hughes. I mean, that would be something. I mean, if you're worried about a defenseman not panning out, I think, <laughs> I think Luke Hughes is your guy right there because he's like, he's a really interesting offensive player. But I mean, defensively, he definitely needs a lot of work. I mean, he's bigger than the other Hughes brothers, but his defensive game and kind of similar to his brother Quinn. I mean, Quinn Hughes, great offensive defenseman. His defensive game really got exposed in the NHL last season. So if they like if they went crazy and got a guy like Luke Hughes at first overall, I'd be I'd be excited about him as a prospect, but I mean a little disappointed at like the risk of that pick. But Yeah. I, I mean, mean we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's fair. And and Austin, anything to uh, to add on that side? Yeah, so, I mean, anyone in the TCB group knows that I'm probably the biggest Mason McTavish fan, probably out of anybody in the draft community, but even taking him at one is a stretch. I mean, I have him at number four, and I think taking him over Eklund would be a huge mistake. Uh, Luke Hughes, Dylan Gunther, Beneers, they're all good. They're all awesome. I think Beneers is probably included in that group of big three, even though I personally have slightly below McTavish, not a lot. Uh yeah, if Luke Hughes or, you know, Kent Johnson or Simone Edmondson are in the conversation, then I think we have something to worry about. I'm with Walt. It's those big three at the top. Brant Clark and McTavish probably just slightly behind them. And then there's a little bit of a drop off. But everything we've heard is that they're highest on Eklund and Power. So I, I don't even know if Beneers is really in the conversation for Buffalo at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I've heard as well. So it's just, like you said, the big three. Um, I think if they aren't really into Beneers, maybe you know someone sneaks into that third spot. But I really do think it's yeah, it's Power or Eklund. So hopefully, I mean, realistic. Like I know people have their preferences. I'm not going to be disappointed with either. They're they're both good prospects. So I'm not really worried about that. I'm sure you guys aren't either. Um, but I'm just kind of like looking through the the Sabers draft here. They have one, two, three, four, five. They have six picks in the top 100. Yeah, you're not going to hit on all of them. But, I mean, that's – if you're going to start a rebuild, I mean, that's a good stepping stone at least. Um, again, this is subject to change because they could certainly package this up. I mean, you know, you send uh, you send a, a second-round pick to, to get a better prospect or, or something like that. I mean, um, you know, I – hey, you know, you send uh, – you send Ristolainen and a – and you're, you know, you're a, a late second round pick or yeah, a late second round pick that you got from Boston in the Taylor Hall trade. You send that over and maybe you can, maybe you can snag a Bobby Brink or something like that to, from Philly for Ristolainen and I don't know, 53 in the draft. So um, there's a lot of options out there. I'm just really excited because obviously we're previewing it now, but then, you know, after the draft, we're going to be able to analyze it and, and do all that. So um, I'm really excited for, you know, just 
who the Sabres take. I'm just interested in, in the names and learning more about these players, especially after not really um, not really watching too much this year just because it was, it was a little bit tougher. Um, and I mean, I guess it was expected that the Sabres weren't going to suck. So uh, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't bode well when it comes to when you expect the team to be good. You don't, I, at least personally, I know you guys are different, but like I kind of put the prospects on the back burner <laughs> in a sense coming from the draft. I'm like, ah, it's fine. They're going to be drafting like mid to late first round or like mid first round. So, I'm, you know, they're just going to miss the, you know, the playoffs or something like that. So then. I sit there and I'm I'm not as, as keen on prospects, but you guys are all on top of it. Um, I I don't know if this is already set in stone or if it's even out. Which if it is, I've totally missed something. But the Sabers or the Sabers the TCB draft guide, which I'm super looking forward to. Do you guys know when that thing is uh, is dropping? I think the twenty second. Yeah, so I think that's a few more days. Yeah. All right. Yeah. The, if if it's dropping the twenty second, and I. I'm sure it is. I mean, definitely keep your eyes out for that. All you have to do is, I think, throw in your your email because it's a massive file. The guys have been working on it all year, um, a bunch of them. I think it's at least five or six of you at this point. Um, I mean, I'm just really looking forward to it. It's just last year's was awesome, and it's only going to be better. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it, guys. I know you guys did a lot of hard work on that. Um, I think when it comes to – Speaking on younger guys that I guess aren't really getting talked about, uh, we were talking about this beforehand. Like Brett Murray, like could possibly end up seeing some time with the Sabres next year. Especially, I mean, like you have to assume, yeah, guys are going to go down with injuries. I don't think, you know, I don't think a prominent guy like Gergensen is going to blow out his hamstring or whatever in a in a scrimmage. So he's going to be out all year, and there's going to be a permanent spot. But I mean, someone goes down with a couple week injury. I mean, you're going to see some guys called up. Uh, starting here with Austin, uh, who from the either the Amherst or was playing overseas, someone that just didn't play for the Sabers last year, who do you think could see some time with the Sabers or crack the lineup out of camp, whatever? Just they'll be wearing a Sabers jersey next year, at least in in your mind. A guy I watched a lot of in Rochester because I kind of got the AHL TV package and watched them. I mean, then unfortunately there was not a lot of Sabres prospects down there because most of them ended up in Buffalo. But I'm really looking forward to uh, Oscar Laxanen and seeing what he does. I think he could be like this year's Jacob Bryson, you know, a defenseman who we don't really expect to see gets called up and gets his shot because he was really solid for Rochester last year. He was a guy that, you know, all credit to Jason Botterill's staff because we don't really have a lot of players to credit him with. But Laxanen was kind of drafted out of nowhere by Botterill and his team, and he's actually turned out to be a really solid player. So with the potential movement of Ristolainen and a potential opening for, you know, right-hand shot defenseman, I think he might be potentially the first call-up if a defenseman does go down. Yeah, I mean, I'm just trying to sit here and think now, and I just can't think of, of anyone else who would call up in, in his place. I mean, they're probably going to get like a like a Matt Irwin type of, of play, like a guy that is basically – he knows he's not going to probably crack the lineup and, and be in the nightly lineup or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really see anyone else that they could really be calling up. Uh, so, yeah, I could definitely see Laxon. Uh, Walt, I know yours is interesting. I definitely want you to, to dive into your your thoughts on, on who could crack the lineup next year. Yeah, I mean, my guy, uh, Lucas Rusek, I mean, you might remember him from when the Sabres picked him a few seasons ago out of the Czech League. And he's been a really good player in the Czech Republic for, I mean, the past few years. I mean – I like to call him the roadrunner on ice just because the way he skates. He has, like, a really weird skating stride. But, I mean, somehow it gets around the ice well enough. And, I mean, he's just like a hound on the puck. He also has been able to contribute offensively. 
I mean, 38 points in 49 games in the Czech League. And a lot of the new uh, NHL equivalency models have the Czech League as like a pretty high-end European league. So, I mean, 38 points in 49 games for Rusek, uh, just a 22-year-old. I mean, that's pretty impressive, especially on a great team like uh, Sparta. So, I mean, we'll see what he does when he comes over to North America. But, I mean, I definitely, if the Sabres actually go through with this hard rebuild, which, I mean, everyone expects, they really don't have a lot of forwards under contract for next season. I think they'll have nine if uh, Eichel and Reinhardt are traded. That will be under contract. And then, I mean, I guess they'll obviously sign some free agents, make some trades. But there's a really good opportunity for Rusek to crack this lineup right from the start. I mean, he probably should even crack the lineup right from the start. But we've seen, like, guys like Rutsalainen who haven't kind of held back, even though they were, like, obviously NHL ready and the lineup could have used them. So that's kind of my one fear with Rusek. But, I mean, if they go through a hard rebuild, you might not even have to worry about that because there's going to be so many spots. And I think he's going to be a guy that's really going to impress in uh, training camp and preseason this year. When you're ranking European leagues, my thought process goes to – um, the Swedish league is first. Um, the, or the SHL is first. Liga, the the Finnish league is second, and then probably what do you probably the Czech Republic, right? I mean, maybe maybe like the you know uh, who Zurich plays in what the the Swiss league. The Swiss league's pretty yeah. good, I guess. I mean, it, I'd probably a- put the Czech league third if I. If I had to guess, yeah, I'm trying to pull it up right now. I know uh, Patrick Bacon. He did. He recently did like an NHL equivalency model. I mean, there really hasn't been one that's been updated in a while. And he actually had the Czech league in his model. It was at number three, behind the NHL and KHL, and like slightly above the SHL. So wow, we'll see if like the models a little high in that because of like the way guys have transitioned, like uh, Dominic Kubalik and some other Czech players that made the move over. I mean, maybe that inflates the model a bit, but the Czech league may be an underrated league. I mean, I guess we'll see. I mean, Rusek, Rusek will see uh, if he could hold that NHL equivalency model true this uh, upcoming season. Dark horse for European leagues. I have to go with the German league, the DEL. I mean, yeah, just with DEL's these, on the rise. Yeah, exactly. Like with the success of all these German players, a lot more kids are probably going to start playing it. So within the next five, 10, 15 years, I think it's going to be a good league. And that actually perfect segue. Uh, my person, I think, is possibly going to crack the lineup is JJ Paterka. Um, if he doesn't crack the lineup, I'm not really going to be all that upset. I think he has a, a good future with the Sabres. So it's like I don't really need to rush him. But um, I mean, just as like a solid bottom six guy, I think. Honestly, I think you could learn a lot from a guy like Zemgus Gergensen's and stuff like that. Um, you know, just like, hey, this is this is your role, and and you know, he's. I've personally been a big fan of watching him like along the boards and below the dots. So, um, I think that's it translates well. Um, if he does come over to North America and he plays with Rochester the entire season, that's fine too. I, I wouldn't be shocked. But at the same time, I mean, he has the speed, he has the tenacity, and and the work ethic. So. Um, yeah, I mean, the NHL game is significantly different than, you know, the German league. But at the same time, um, you know, he probably should have been a first-round pick last last year. So it wouldn't shock me if he ended up on the Sabres. So, um, yeah, I mean, those are all – Laxon and Rusek and Paterka are 
pretty solid choices. I don't really think anyone else, I mean, besides, like we said, Brett Murray, um, I don't really think there's anyone else left. I mean, Picard, maybe, I guess. I'd be shocked. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't see it. I think I mean, he's. We like can a, see how Jack Quinn looks when he comes back healthy, but I still yeah. would have him in Rochester. Yeah, I mean, giving him, I'm, I'm kind of, I've definitely taken a step back and like, yeah, I'm still angry about what this, where the Sabres drafted him. But when it comes to Jack Quinn specifically, I'm like, take your time, man. If, if you need a, a year two more in the AHL, I mean, take it. As long as you're you're progressing upward every single year and, and you still project to, to be a, an NHL player and hopefully the middle six, I mean, I'm, I'm really not going to bash him too hard. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I mean, again, he was pretty much injured. Was he injured the entire time in Rochester or did he get injured while playing for Rochester and just kind of like played it out and then finally just like stopped after what was it like nine games or something like that yeah i know he was injured like right when the season was starting he was like in rehab for some type of injury then he came back and then he got injured again i don't know if that was the same injury though but i do know he was dealing with some injuries last season yeah andre tournier said he had an injury that was nagging him like through the world juniors so i mean i don't know if like walt said if it was more than one injury but Supposedly he was dealing with something during the World Juniors and then got through 15 AHL games before just shutting it down. Yeah, I mean, if that is the case, that's impressive. I mean, I also kind of feel bad that he like did all of that. But at the same time, I'm sure, yeah, he wanted to, to play something in his rookie year besides, you know, the World Juniors. So, I mean, we'll see. I, I, I'm, again, mad at the Sabres, not Jack Quinn. And it's kind of the same thing with last <laughs> Last week, or last not last week's episode, but last episode, crapping on Dale Constantini. <laughs> Again, it's not about him. It is not about him. It's about the Sabres drafting him. So, I mean, it is a little bit about him, but it's like he is who he is. It's not like, you know, we were basically saying like, yeah, he's probably not getting drafted if he didn't play for the junior Sabres. So, fifth round pick. Oh, man. Anyway, we're not, we're not going into that. I mean, realistically, guys, it's an open forum. This is a tight 45 right now. And uh, that's actually pretty much a record for, for Walt and I because we're usually hitting like the one-hour mark. And I'm like, guys, oh, crap. Uh, we got <laughs> to cut this off at some point because after, after about an hour, people have got to be tuning it out. So, um, I yeah, mean, open for I wasn't too form. much complaining this episode because, I mean, I feel like that always usually feels like a half hour, <laughs> like talking about the guys they could have drafted with the Quinpick, like Lindell or Jarvis or Rossi and then – talking about the guys wrist line could have been traded for usually that takes up a good chunk of time <laughs> here's okay so here's something the sabers trade um two second round picks this year and like a third for next year and they get back into the first round and it's like i don't know like 22 like like Real early twenties, maybe. I have no idea if that's a value. If I'm way off, go ahead and chirp me. I, I'm just. Let's just say the Sabers get back into the first round, and it's like in between like fifteen and twenty-five, somewhere. Let's just say twenty. Who in that range? Because I know we talked about guys going like pretty much first and like one through five essentially, um, and then we kind of talked about you know early second round, but mid to late first rounders. If the Sabers were to get back in there. Who would you be be eyeing up for? I mean, I would assume the goaltender Wallstad. I hope I said that correctly. Um, I would assume he's gone. But is there anyone else that kind of you know 
piques your interest there uh we'll start with austin yeah so if we're talking like 15 to, to 20 range i'm looking at potentially uh you know, Brennan Oathman from Flint, he played in Switzerland this year with uh, Mason McTavish, which is pretty cool to see two OHL guys playing their draft year pro together. Uh, Corson Kuhlmans, or I don't know how to say his last name properly, but from Brooks, he's a really uh, high ceiling offensive defenseman. And uh, Francesco Pinelli, he's a great playmaking center who could probably slot in in a middle six center role with his upside being a really high end playmaking 2C. I think he is a player to watch out for. And, uh, I'll let Walt go here next because there's a ton of names that we could probably talk about. Yeah, I think, I mean, this area of the draft, it's one I struggle with just because I think it could be an area, especially this season, that's a little unpredictable. I mean, the big, like, uh, telling sign of where guys will go in this year's draft, I mean, even though it's so unpredictable, I think it's going to be Bob McKenzie's draft list. I mean, once that comes out, we should get, like, a decent idea of what range guys are going to go in. And, yeah, there's definitely some interesting names there. I mean, like, Othman... Uh, great tournament for Canada. This guy with a great shot could be an effective winger. He's a guy that's pretty interesting. But it's like that area of the range, I just don't see. I mean, that draft range, I just don't see like as much value as maybe a second round pick this year. Because I think there could be some very talented guys that fall back into the second round. So, I mean, this is a draft where I'd almost be, like, more willing to even, like, trade back to accumulate more picks in, like, those second and third rounds. Just because there's just so many players I like in that range. I mean, like, Sean Barron's just a very fun offensive defenseman. He might very well be a second-round pick. Like, Olin Zellweger, one of the youngest players in this draft class, was great in the WHL, great at the U18s. He might even fall out of the first round, too. I mean, Mackie Samoskevich, who I brought up before, he might fall out of the first round. So I think this might be a draft where I'd be, like, honestly more willing to trade back. Oh, yeah, 100%. Like you said, I mean, that mid-first round has some good players, but like Walt said, with the amount of players that are probably going to be available around 33, uh, even throw in a guy like... Uh, Ayrton Martino, or even uh, Zachary Leroux from the QMJHL. He was a bonafide, probably top 15 pick, and then got suspended a bunch this year. People are wondering if he knows how to walk that edge. Wouldn't be surprised if he falls to the second round. So I'm with Walt there. If we had the choice between trading up or trading back, I'm trading back 10 times out of 10. Would you, and I know it's unconventional, it's, uh, it's not going to happen. I'm putting my money down on this. I'll put I'll put 10 bucks. I know, big spender here. I'll put 10 bucks down from the Sabres not doing this. I would put a lot more down on this. But if they traded the first overall pick, who would you want? Where would you want them to try to slide into? Would you want them to try to like get like three, four, five, maybe slide back to nine or 10, something like that? Like, is there this is hypothetical at this point because it's just not going to happen. Like if you have the first overall pick and you trade it, it's just, it doesn't make much sense to me. Um, I can make a case for it, but it's still iffy at best. Um, but we're, we're just, uh, you know, we're doing hypotheticals here. So if the Sabres were to trade first overall, what would you want as a pick coming back? Now they, they trade the first overall and they get some amazing player. Then yeah, you're probably not going to get a high end pick too, but um, you know, would you want them to try to target like Anaheim at three, maybe Columbus at five, uh, like Vancouver at nine, Ottawa at 10, the Blackhawks maybe at 12? Because 11, 11 is where Arizona is. And I don't, what are they going to do at the draft? Are they just going to like show pictures 
of like Arizona and then just like put a massive red X over it or something like that and then yeah, on to the next probably. one. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> there it should just be like John Chaka like running out the door. Like yeah. <laughs> that'd be great. I would love that. But um I mean Again, hypothetical, what would you want them to to ideally do? It's like trade back to three, you take Eklund, and you also get a couple other picks in the second round or something like that. I mean, kind of sounds good to me, but is there any other kind of thought process on that? Walt, Austin, I mean, whoever wants to, to take the floor here. Go ahead, Walt. Yeah, well, I mean, I think this year's draft, trading back from first overall, I just have a hard time, like, gauging like the kind of like the value on like what's the difference between the first and third overall pick this year because it seems like yeah that's fair unless one team really values like own power a lot it seems like a lot of guys have a lot of like front offices have most of the top three or whoever is on their list like kind of in a similar tier like there's really no like runaway like complete consensus number one overall pick so like even trading to like number three with anaheim like I just have a, you're probably not getting like a guy like Trevor Zegers or Drysdale for moving down those spots. I mean, like in a really good draft year where the first hour picks a high end guy, you probably could do that. But I mean, this year, you're probably not going to be able to. And I know before all this, uh, like Eichel and Reinhardt, like all the unhappiness, and before like this season completely fell apart, I was really on board with trading the Sabres first round draft pick this year. I mean, even if it ended up becoming first overall, which it did just because I thought that would have been kind of like a last ditch effort to kind of like save Eichel and Reinhardt and like try to build a contender in this time frame. I've since moved past that. Now I've, that I've realized that that's not really that realistic. And it seems like this past season was actually our last shot to save Eichel from like all the stuff we heard behind the scenes. So I think, First of all, pick this year. I mean, in other drafts, maybe you'd see things being traded, like say if a team had like number three and number 14. But I mean, with the way the top picks are spread out this year, I just have a hard time seeing that happening. Yeah, I mean, if Buffalo were to entertain the idea of trading down, I still think that their top target would be Eklund. So I don't know if I'm, me personally, I'm willing to go lower than like the three to five range because i think is when you start getting to the six and seven is when you see the prime spot for eklund to go so if eklund really is your top you know forward in this draft and you uh you kind of have a good idea that you can get him in the three to five range sure go ahead and pick up another pick here and there but at this point with like walt said with the top three being so close just take whoever you think is the best player in this draft at one that way you have you don't have to sweat out anything going forward fair enough i mean that's well said and I think we're going to end it on that, honestly. That was, like I said, well said. And um, again, this is uh, significantly more upbeat than than the last podcast episode. This is exciting. I liked it. That was a lot of fun. But uh, thanks again for Austin for coming on. Um, go ahead and follow him on, on Twitter at Austin Broad, B R O A D, uh, underscore in between Austin and Broad, I believe. Yeah, um, Austin underscore Brad. Boom, there you go. And then also, uh, like I said, he is part of the Future of the 716 podcast with Curtis. Um, that is at 716FuturePod, P-O-D. And anytime you see Walt or Austin or, or anyone throw anything out there on the Charging Buffalo, definitely give it a read. It's it's exciting. Um, we got the draft guide coming up. Uh, there's going to be you know deep dives of all the guys that are drafted by the Sabres. So it's an exciting time, even though it is you know, a rebuild. There is... 
there's plenty of content to be had and and excitement and um, I'm just looking forward to it. Uh, it's it's definitely in a better frame of mind than you know a month or two ago after the season. So again, I want to thank Austin uh, for for joining us here. It's great to have Walt on as well. Um, and we're gonna give Austin the last words. So what do you got, pal? Uh, you know, first of all, just thanks for having me on. Pretty cool to be the first guest here, you guys. I like talking with you guys. Something that I wish hopefully we can do more often going forward. But he uh, he, I think he just disconnected. So last word literally the last word um before he disconnected but thanks again for listening everyone uh again this is the sabermetrics podcast hosted by the charging buffalo we'll catch you on the next one